Welcome to the Fellowship Regional Church Podcast. God, thank you for your word. Pray that as we uh, open it up to discuss um, the things that, that Solomon has written today, so that we will be moved in our heart, that we'll be, uh, be encouraged, that we'll have the uh, bravery to step forward and be obedient to what you ask of us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In um, 1900, 30% of the people uh, in the world were named after a parent or a grandparent. Naming somebody after somebody else in the 1900s, 30% of the people did it. Um, by the time we got to the 60s, um, that, that, began to, that began to change a little bit. Um, and then we started coming up with new names in the 60s. You could be Echo if you wanted. Moonbeam. Stargaze. There was all these names. You, weren't gonna, you might be named after a constellation. Maybe not a person, but a constellation. And by 1994, it was down to like 1%. 1% of people were named after somebody in their family. It's things about a name that just kind of carry over. It's like when you meet somebody. I picked a guy up on the side of the road one time. We are going down the road. I said, ah, what, what's your name? And he just says, uh, I'm part of, and he says his name. I said, oh, okay. He just kind of looks at me. You never heard of us? Uh, no. Uh, should I? No. No, you shouldn't. I said, oh, we're, we're kind of known. I said, oh, really? Yeah, not for good. Okay. Names carry a certain weight to them. If you were Jewish, your name given to you in front of an open Torah was a blessing from God. Your name was also the destiny of where your life was going to go. If somebody named you something that was, you know, powerful. Jared means God's heir, as in heir, like son, like a, like a child of. I know that because growing up, my mom had those little plaques of all of our names. Do you remember these? Some of you are like, yes, I remember those. And it was great because a lot of my friends, they didn't have a lot of family. And they would come over and they thought that was so cool. And so then my mom was trying to find plaques you know, with names on them that, you know, just these strange names of people who don't belong in my family because they wanted to know that their name meant something somewhere. If you had a name change as a Jew, that's a brand new direction in life. You go from being this guy to this guy, your path changed. You don't get to go back to the same place, go to work in the same job, and people be like, hey, how's the guy you doing, Abram? You know, hey, hey. My name's not Abraham. My name's Abraham. Oh, okay, don't be weird. Just do your job, you know? You know, just that's not a normal deal. You don't go back there. Your job and your name changes, your job changes, your person changes. It was heaven's direct line to you, your name. In the garden, there's this funny little situation to where God shows up after creating Adam, and he says, now, I want you to go take a look at all the animals, and then I want you to name them. 
I'm telling you, if there could be one cool job that I wish only I could do, it would be that. Name animals? Now, I don't know how we got the names we got. I think there's some, I don't know that Adam was as creative as he could have been, you know, because I think there's some great ones you could have went with. But he did it. It's his thing. Named them for God. We had a cat named Soccer Ball. It was black and white, but that's not why we called it Soccer Ball. When Moses encounters the burning bush, he asks two questions. This burning bush in front of him. Take off your shoes. I was like, okay, calm down. Moses has two questions. Who am I? And who are you? God says, you're going back to where you've been running from, Egypt. I know you're a wanted man there, but you're going back. You're going to go get the rest of everybody else who you left there. Now get back there. You're going to go get them. And then Moses says, hold on. Who am I? And who are you? Moses wants a name. He wants a name. God's answer is, I am. As, as in, it doesn't really matter what the question is. I am. Okay. It's kind of like a dad. That's kind of a dad thing, isn't it? You know? Why? Because I said. Why? Because I'm the dad. Why? Go. You know? I am you. You know who you are. And you, I am, you get. Go. You know? As a little boy, like I remember that look on my dad's face. Oh, yeah. You, you are. You are. This is going to be, call me soccer ball. You know? <laughs> we better roll. Um. Proverbs 10, 7 says this, the name of the righteous is used in blessing, but the name of the wicked will rot. Solomon's name, the writer of Ecclesiastes, Solomon's name, shalom, peace. It was the greeting, shalom. His name is peace, which is what God had promised about him and his reign as the king, that it was going to be a peaceful reign. Solomon was not a man of war, which I think is really, really kind of cool because David was out, out, just awesome warrior, just great swordsman. The king before Saul, he was a warrior for a while. But David is this great warrior. And then he has all these sons and all of them are warriors, except for one. He's got this one little guy who's the youngest. He's also the son of his greatest sin ever, the memory, Bathsheba. And his name is Peace. And who are we going to put on the throne? Can you imagine if, how Solomon felt? Like, you're going to be the king, growing up in the shadow of this mighty warrior. Like, your dad's a Navy SEAL and we've named you Daisy. And now you're going to be the king, little Daisy, and follow in your daddy's footsteps. Uh, okay, good. I'm really into interior design a lot more than I am murder, but, I mean, I'm up for whatever the Lord wants me to do. His name is Peace, and his reign was peaceful. His reign was peaceful. Your name has a fragrance. Ecclesiastes 7.1 says this, A good name is better than fine perfume. The word is oil or ointment. But it even goes back further than that. It goes to the fat of a cow on an altar. That smell. You know the smell. It's the smell of summer, isn't it? It's charcoal briquettes. And your neighbor's grilling and you're thinking, why am I 
not grilling. I should grill. People unloading white papered meat packets out of the back of the car. There's this little grill over there. There's this guy standing over there just with a, uh, an oven mitt and a, and a spatula in his hand. Like, hey, how you doing, Bill? Good, Ted. How's it going? Yeah, go to do some grilling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate you for it. You know, it's just, yeah, it smells great, Ted. It smells great. This fat, that smell of when the meat hits the iron and it's like, what is that smell? This was the smell of sacrifice. This was also the smell that made us remember that our sins have been pushed back and that they weren't going to land on us. The punishment for our sin was not going to land on us because there was a sacrifice. This is a sweet smell. Your name is like the fat of lambs, the fat of rams, the fat of cattle. Your name has the smell of the sins are all going to be okay. You're going to be okay. It's a beautiful picture. Solomon writes this down. A good name is better than fine perfume. Let me read this rest of this verse to you. And the day of death better than the day of birth. Verse 2. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for death is the destiny of every man. And the living should take this to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter. Sorrow, because, because a sad face is good for the heart. The heart of the wise is in the house of the morning. April 15th, 1865. The door on a doctor's, a doctor's office opens. A man comes in with a really bad wound. His legs busted up. And the guy treats him. The doctor treats him. Gets the guy patched up, put back together. He hears that the guy has been a part of some really, really terrible crime. He's kind of that guy who's like, I'd rather not know. And this doctor, his name was Samuel Mudd fixes the guy and sends him on his way. The patient's name was John Wilkes Booth. And they say the origin of the statement, your name is Mud, came from this guy. Your name is Mud. It means a little bit more than, oh, like mud, like outside mud? No, like worse, mud. A name carries something with it. I'll read you this next line. Verse 5. It is better to heed a wise man's rebuke than to listen to the song of fools. Like the crackling of thorns under the pot, so the laughter of fools is meaningless. Extortion turns a wise man into a fool, and bribe corrupts the heart. The end of the matter is better than the beginning, and, the patient, and patience is better than pride. Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. Do not say, why are the old days better than these? For that is not a wise question to ask. Wisdom, like an inheritance, is a good thing and benefits those who see the sun. Wisdom is a shelter, as money is a shelter. But the advantage of knowledge is this, 
that wisdom preserves the life of its possessor. Consider what God has done. Who can straighten what he has made crooked? When times are good, be happy. When times are bad, consider God has made the one as well as the other. Therefore, man cannot discover anything about his future. We hear Solomon begin to talk about a name is this, and then he just goes to this dark place. And a name means this and this, and it's a good thing, but, you know, dead man's better than a newborn. What? Then he continues to go down this list of all these things, all these foolish things. What does that have to do with a name? Because your name says a lot about who you are. See, here's what happens in a small community. I'm not from here. Now, I've been here almost 15 years, but I'm not from here. Some of you are from here. Here's the crazy thing. When I come into town, I get to start fresh. See, because I have a hometown, and people know my name somewhere else and there's things that go with that name that carry over with that name oh so i should move jared now maybe you should consider it i don't know i mean that's 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 up to you and your situation but what i'm saying is this some of you refuse to let that name go away you've lived in this town people have stamped you this thing or this person and you just kind of accept it like well that's who i am this must be who I am. I, have, I must be this because this is what my name is. This is how I'm seen. When I do weddings, a lot of times what I do is I will make it a point to say to the bride and to the groom, I am going to try my best to pull you out of that entire situation. I want to talk about you. I want to brag about you. I want to brag about where you came from, what you're doing. I want to talk about how you're forming your own family. Because a lot of times what happens in small communities is this, the same thing that happened to Jesus. Isn't that Mary's son? Isn't that the son of uh, Joseph, the uh, mediocre carpenter? Isn't that who? Yeah. We're going to take the miraculous completely out of it. We're not even going to look at Jesus with the right kind of mindset because we already know where he came from. How, much, how, much, how true is that of us? That when you live in your community where you grew up, you get this stamp on you. And this is who you are for eternity until you leave. Let's be honest, that sucks. Because here's what's bad. The biggest obstacles that some of us face are the things that have happened all the way back in the back behind us. And other people grab them and put them in front of us. And we have to hurdle them all the time. How terrible is that? You know what fixes that? Is when you decide you have a new name. When you decide, I'm going to have a different name. I'm not going to be known for that anymore. I'm going to make changes that make me not known for that. There's a few ways we can do this. Let me share them with you. First one is this. By changing our character by being a person of character. Proverbs 3, 3 and 4, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. See, here's the deal. And this saddens me a lot because some of you, like you have a hard time understanding that God can forgive you. But whether you believe it or not, he does, right? 
Whether or not you struggle with this deal, like I don't know that God's forgiven me. Listen, if you've given your life to Christ, he's forgiven you, whether or not you believe it or not. But that's really not the issue that keeps us from living different, is it? The thing that keeps us from living different is when I don't believe that I am different, that I don't believe I can forgive me, that I can move past what's gone on. That's the part that always hangs us up. When the truth of it is this, we need to be able to stand up and say, that's not me anymore. That's not me anymore. I don't care what the history says. I don't care what the track record says. That's not me anymore. I've changed that. Will I live perfect after that? No. Are you an idiot? No. Of course you won't. Absolutely not. But listen, everything that happens inside of your heart, everything that happens here that begins to change the direction of your life starts here first. It starts here. You don't get to feel different. Have you ever woke up and thought like, you know what, today I'm just going to muster up the feelings to just live different. They're like, what happens? Like, you know, by 10 o'clock, I'm hungry and angry, and then I don't want to live different anymore. Like, I don't want to live different. I'm mad, you know? And it gets me at this stoplight. You know how I am about these stoplights out here, right? That 11 seconds, 16 seconds, 20, whatever it is, pull up there, and the guy in front of me is just like, ah, this is a really beautiful, like, dah, 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 dah. I was going to live different back at the last stoplight, but now I'm not, you know? Now I need to go see a priest or something like that. We don't. I need it to start here. I'm going to live different. I'm going to live different. I'm different. God has made me different. I'll read this verse to you again. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and of man. Solomon says it begins with a commitment begins with a commitment that we bind them around our neck. Uh, Luke, are you in here? Where'd you go? I don't see you. You must have went downstairs. Um, phylacteries. I was trying to think of a word. Phylacteries. Are you familiar with the word? Maybe? Some of you are? Okay. Phylacteries. There were these things that uh, Jews would wear, like necklaces, and these things that they would wear sometimes on their head, and they would put them on, and there were these little boxes, sometimes little leather boxes. When I saw the Dead Sea Scrolls in, um, in Boston at the uh, Museum of Science, Boston Museum of Science or something, uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls, along with them, there were several phylacteries that they had found. And what they are, these little leather boxes that they kind of put together, and then on the inside are these little miniature scrolls that have scripture written on them, almost microscopic, absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. But they have these little boxes and they keep them on their person. And so in times of stall, waiting, in the mornings, the evenings, while they're tending sheep, while they're waiting at the market, take one out, pull it out. They would read it, put it back in the phylactery. Take these and bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart these phylacteries. We do something kind of the same, but we call it Facebook. That's what we do. You know, the Jews had this deal. This is what they did. This is the thing that they did. Their idea is to, when this is on your person, when this is around you, it's a constant reminder that this is where your heart needs to be going. This is all physical things. 
In as much as I wish we could change from the inside out, most of the time, it's us forcing our feelings to follow our actions. Let me give you an example. When marriage gets bad, and, and well, maybe it doesn't for any of you, but uh, my wife and I have occasionally had moments um, to where we get in a fight, and I think to myself, I do not want to forgive her. I don't want to. In fact, we had an argument not too long ago, and, and this is the way it was. She says, are you still mad? I says, no, I forgive you. I am actively forgiving you. I am actively forgiving you. Meaning, from moment to moment to moment, there are these moments. Now I'm actively, now I am doing it. I'm doing it right now. I'm doing it. I did it again, just now. Instead of the other, actively forgiving you. This is the process that we have to get our mind to get moving on this thing first. Our feelings will follow. Our feelings will follow. So we must change our character. The other thing is this. We must change our company. Let's change our company. Young people, listen closely. Walk with the wise and you will become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. If you don't believe this and you're a young person, just give a short, just give a little glance to mom, dad, whoever's sitting beside you like, is it true? Is it true? The companion of fools suffers. Is it true? It's true. It's true. Because here's the truth. Sometimes you get arrested and you didn't even do anything. But that idiot did. The one you came with, right? It's the way it goes. I mean, I didn't do it, but it's true. You walk with the wise, you become wise. That means we have to change our company. There are four verbs in this passage. Four verbs in that short little line. Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. Here's the first one. Walk as in he who walks with the wise. The word is go, come, or walk. It suggests a forward movement, a march. Walk, go forward. Have you ever noticed that there's, uh, there's groups of friends that when you get with them, you have to dumb yourself back down two years ago to enjoy their company? You have to crack the old, the same old jokes, right? There's no new material. It's always a, hey, remember that one time when so-and-so would... This is what happens. Tell me how that is walking forward. Just show me. Show me how it's not walking backwards. No, it's walking backwards. I went to my, whatever it was, 20th reunion several years back. <laughs> it was the... The only difference is everybody had gained weight, lost hair, and that was it. The conversations were identical. Absolutely identical. Wow, this is weird. We are talking about the exact same thing over and over and over. That's not moving forward. That's going the other direction. The next one is this, made wise. In Hebrew, um, in Hebrew these two words are mashed together, and the suggestion is this, influence, peer pressure, osmosis the holy spirit when you spend time with other people who are wise you will just by sheer whatever you want to call it will become more wise you will you just will become more wise it's the nature of what people are we love to learn from one another you hang out with somebody who is not wise you will learn how to yourself be unwise you spend time with people who are wise you become better 
It's one of those things that we're always talking about around here. Never be the best guy in the room. For men, never be the best guy in the room. It does not do you one single bit of good if you're the best guy in the room. That's, there's a different phrase for that. Catch me after church, dudes, if you want to know what that phrase is. I'd love to share it with you. There's another phrase for dudes who are always the best dude in the room. Come see me. I won't say it here, but you can come see me after church. I'll tell you what it is. It's a phrase for those, all right? The next one, befriending, as in befriending fools. Literally, the word is stupid fellows. Serves as the same word as tending sheep. Ready? This is going to get really beautiful here in a minute. Only it's not sheep, it's idiots. All right? Befriending of idiots. Okay? Last verb. Uh, destroy. It means raise a battle cry, <laughs> sound the alarm, pull the fire alarm, notify the sheriff, assemble the troops, call the law, because somebody is tending idiots again. Somebody has taken up their staff in a feed bucket and walked out into a pasture and began calling for all the stupid fellows, come to me, come to me, all my little children, come to me, and started tending idiots again. This is ridiculous. This is so good. The company you keep has everything to do with your name. You don't get to change your name while you're tending idiots. If you are standing out in a pasture with a group of sheep around you and a staff in your hand, no one's going to come by and say, are you a banker? And you can yell it all day long. I'm a banker. You're a banker? I'm a banker. You look like a shepherd. Yeah, yeah, I know, but, uh, but I'm a banker really on the inside. Huh. What are you doing with those sheep? Just, just tending them? You look like a shepherd. Think that's what you mean by, think you're mispronouncing shepherd. Yeah, it's, it's called a shepherd. You don't get to change your name if you don't change your company. Your character and your company. Third one is this. We must change our conversation. Proverbs 12, 18 says this. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. If you are known as a man who lashes out with harsh words, it's really, really hard for you to change your name if your vocal, if your verbs, if your words, if what comes out of your face is still just bitter and sharp and cutting. You can't say, no, now I'm a different man if the words that come out of your mouth are sharp. I'm not that guy anymore. Proverbs 18, 21, the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. Proverbs 17, 28, even fools, this is one of Luke's favorite verses, I hear him say it all the time to youth group kids, even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. You could be an absolute idiot, but if you don't open your mouth, nobody will know. That's what the verse means. You could just be an absolute moron, but if you don't open your face, nobody will know. They'll be like, he seems smart. At least he's smart enough to keep his mouth shut, you know? Proverbs 27, 21. The crucible for silver and the furnace for gold but people are tested by their praise. 
when precious metals are heated up, it would prove what the product was really made of. It would prove what it's made of. It says that people are tested by their praise. When a person begins to talk, it's like I've told you, I've got this friend. He's got this amazing ability to make you a celebrity. If I walked him in here, and one by one I got to introduce him to you, you would feel like you were a celebrity for whatever reason because this is just how he operates. When he walks into the room, his idea, his goal is to make you the center of attention, not him. By absolute nature, everywhere he goes, do you know who's the celebrity? Him. Everybody wants to spend time with the guy who's saying, you know what, that is so cool. I love that about you. How you been doing? How's your mom doing? He just has that ability. You can find out a lot about somebody by the things they talk about. I don't know if you saw recently, as they begin to take the State of the Union address, and they begin to break it down, and they begin to use uh, different scales to measure things, how many times did so-and-so say America versus so-and-so? How many times did so-and-so use the word I or me versus so-and-so? You can see a lot about somebody. You can learn a lot about somebody. Once you begin to see how much of I is in there, how much I and me is in there, is it all about you? If it's all about you, everybody will know. They will know. But if you're about them, you'll know. You'll know. Because they will just want to spend time with you. People want to be in your presence. People will find a way to give you a different name. Do you want to keep that same name? Do you want to walk around with that same filthy name tag on you? You're that girl that did that thing. You're that guy who said this, that, that thing to so-and-so. You're the guy who robbed a community by whatever. Do you want to be that? If you want to change your name, it starts with the character that we have, the company we keep, and the conversations that we have, the stuff that comes out of our mouth. There is this beautiful passage in the book of Revelation. And there's a lot to the book of Revelation. I'm not, I'm not smart enough or well-studied uh, enough at this point to, to dive into it. Maybe you are. But there is a passage I do want to share with you. Revelation chapter 2, verse 17. To the one who is victorious, I will give some hidden manna, this bread from heaven, and I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. Known only to the one who receives it. You know what's beautiful about that? Is that when we get to heaven, you don't get to know my name unless I decide I want you to know my name. And you know what I hope? I hope that you look at me and you know my name. You look at me, what I'm made of, what I personify, and it tells you what my name is. That I don't even have to say it. I get a name, I get a secret name that he is going to give me and that I get to have something brand new about me. I've said it before and I'll probably say it a hundred more times. It's important that all of us make it to heaven. It's important. Because there is a really good version of me that you will meet there and I want to prove it to you that like, I'm not garbage all the time. It's important that you are there so that you can see this. 
If you do not know Jesus, and you need to know Jesus, and you want to talk to somebody about that, you need to, you need to get a hold of me, email me, message me, text me, uh, carrier pigeon, whatever works, run me down, catch me after church, and let's sit and talk. I'd love to sit and visit with you about it. I'd love to introduce you to my friend Jesus um, and, uh, and talk with you about that. Uh, let's pray, and we will uh, go sledding. Heavenly Father, we love you, and we thank you for your word and how powerful it is and how much it moves us and changes us. But we ask that uh, this afternoon we can focus in on, on just the power and the, uh, the awesomeness of you that you would step into our life and decide that we could be somebody different after we've already started, after we've already messed it up, after we've already botched up the whole plan, when we've ruined what we think, everything that you have ever given us, and then you stand in front of us and say, can I give you a new name? Lord, not only that, but you've said that you will transform us into a new creation. Lord, we love you and we thank you for that. Lord, I pray that your spirit will work in the hearts of the people here this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a wonderful afternoon.